Okay, uh, you want to get the microphone on in the other room? Uh, when I give you Can the down cue, would you please? Wait till I give you the, the cue. Thank you. All right, uh, at the, when I say three, everybody say, along with us, uh, sing at the top of your lungs <laughs> so the whole world would hear uh, W-R-I-F in Detroit, okay? Since 1971. Oh, wow. It's Jimi Hendrix. Right oh, wow. All right, listen, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to, uh, to, you know, bring in the new year. And so we just played the Star Stangle Banner by Hendrix for a while. All this just weirdness, right? The home of rock and roll throughout the 70s and into the 80s. That's tonight's Riff Rarity on WRIF 101 FM from The Who. Sounding a little bit different there. On Monday, Riff Rarities returns once again with a rare acoustic song from Greg Almond. So that should be nice to listen to. Detroit's only real rock and roll radio station in the decade of the 90s. It's quitting time! If it rocks, it's on the riff in the early part of the 21st century. Hi everyone, I'm Ann Carlini here with Steve Black and Meltdown, and welcome as we celebrate the life of Chris Cornell. I know you were as shocked as I was when I found out that Chris Cornell had passed... For nearly 50 years, we are, have been, and continue to be 101 WRIF. Memories of the nation's favorites. Everything that rocks. Welcome to the podcast, The History of WRIF, in which we're taking a look at the people and the personalities that made the riff, well, the riff, and so cool over 50 years. I'm Mike Staff. I'm your host. Uh, I had the privilege of being a DJ on the riff for 14 years, from 1992 to 2006, and uh, my guest today... And why was that... Why is what? How did you get the job at uh, Riff? At Riff? That's a really interesting story. Dick Kernan is joining <laughs> us right now. I got the story. I, I got the job at Riff from contacts that I made um, through my first internship oh, at you WLLZ. Little, you little devil. Dick Kernan, very well known for his incredible 47 years at Spexhauer School of Media Arts. It was just a DJ school at the time when you started. Oh, yeah. And I think that uh, there's no doubt in my mind that there's no Detroit radio broadcaster over the last 50 years that doesn't know who you are. But... Um, our Thank listeners you. may not be as familiar uh, with your name or your contribution to the Riff or to the Detroit radio industry as a whole. And I think it's safe to say there simply isn't anyone alive that knows more about the Detroit radio market than you, Dick. Well, and, it's very uh, nice of you to say. <laughs> after being the first program director on WRIF and then widely known as the man who hired Arthur P., and then, of course, a great career at uh, at Specs Now, are you involved in the show that I heard that he did? Yes, I, yep, I interviewed Arthur's show. Yep. I listened to that whole show and was just, and I'm going, are you nuts? <laughs> you know this guy for a thousand years. What are you listening? And it was a, just a great job. Way to go. Thank you. I really, really yeah. appreciate it. Really appreciate it. It's great to be here in the Ritz studios again. And we've yep. known each other for better than 30 years. We've never had an opportunity to share a microphone or be kind of on the air together. I always felt bad because you were, I always thought of you with the guy that was wandering around Traverse City going, does anyone have a job? <laughs> I'm out here starving to death. <laughs> well, and for our listeners, that's in response to a story I told Dick once about in between jobs and radio. I was uh, I'd do anything to get a couple of bucks to pay yeah. the, pay the bills, and <laughs> it ended up paying off. Sacrifices are definitely worth it. Well, I think I think you got, got a lot of company. 
Well, I did. And I got to tell you, Dick, um, you know, one of the things that really stuck with me in my first day of Specs Howard, you came in and talked to our class Mm -hmm. and you gave your first day of uh, school speech. And you said, listen, here's the deal. If you want to be in radio, you're going to work overnights. You're going to work holidays. You're going to make minimum wage. You're going to work at radio formats you hate. People are going to get promoted over you for no good reason. You're going to get fired. Yeah. Nobody walked out. (laughs) Yeah. And you said, that's the deal. And I thought to myself, well, if that's the price of admission, I'm in. <laughs> so all of those things happened to me at one point that in my career. Hysterical. And I just thought, well, par for the course. I'm right where I'm supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, just what he told us. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's mind-boggling to think, Dick, that you started out your uh, radio career in Detroit in 1956. Right out of high school. Right out of high school. Tell with me. A, with a fresh haircut. <laughs> Thank you very much, U.S. Navy Reserve. <laughs> Tell me about uh, getting into radio and what radio was like in 1956. First of all, I went to uh, boot camp, okay, because I was in the Navy Reserve. Mm. And so I came back, and I was uh, your basic long-haired, noble fair, leaping gnome. But, boy, I had this swell haircut. And there was an art or an ad in the uh, paper, which I still have, by the way. Wanted uh, office boy with car and liability insurance, and I thought I got the car, I got the insurance, and I got a haircut. Wow! And that was for a radio station. That was WXYZ. for WXYZ. And oh, uh, I mean, I was hireable. I mean, I walked in there and said, hi, and I got my little slick haircut. Six months later, the program director said, what happened to the guy I hired that had a haircut? Because he grew it. Yeah, it grew back. (laughs) All you did is cut your hair just to get the job. And I thought, uh, boy, you really pulled one off here. And then they said, you're going on active duty at the end of the year. Oh, really? And I said, no. And so I quit. Hmm. Yeah, you quit the U.S. Navy Reserve. Oh, you had the option to quit. Don't do that. No, you didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> as I found out, as I was <laughs> carried to the airport <laughs> the end of December to get on the plane, stupid. So did you get on the plane? Oh, hell yes. I was in the Caribbean on a ship for most of two years. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, then you came back to Detroit. And, the, and back in those days... You had to get, they had to give you your job back. Mm, they had to, yeah. So I walked in and said, it's me, and I'm back. And they said, good, we just opened a new place out on uh, 10 Mile Road, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got an opening in the mailroom. So see you, bye. And so I went out to what's now Broadcast House, and uh, we had both radio stations and the TV station there. Well, it's beautiful when you talk about having to pay your dues to make it in this business. I mean, that's where you start the mailroom, right? Yep, there you go, in the mailroom. And when, when I went out, that building on Town Mile Road was a brand new building. And I went back, went, wow. And so I went in the mailroom, and the next thing you know, uh, they taught me how to run a board. And mm. so I was a record spinner for many years. Without being on the air, you were just playing the oh, music. Yeah, just uh, playing commercials and stuff like that. And and was there not live DJs playing oh, yeah. the songs? Oh, sure. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and I was a board op. Oh, so there are other people that were introducing the songs. Oh, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, oh, no, not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't seem to have the voice. Anyway, uh, so I worked there not very long before... Uh, 
they needed somebody to, you know, be a board op. And so I was a board op for a long time. Mm. And then they, the FCC said, you know, we just did a count and we've got tens of thousands of FM frequencies that no one is doing anything with but simulcasting. So starting on X date, you either send the license back mm. or start doing something else. And so uh, the guy that was the general manager of the station said, well, Dick, we think we're going to make you the program director of our FMs. And I said, I don't want to be a pro. Dick, we don't know what we're going to do with you, with you if you don't take this job. Oh, pick me. Pick in that me. case, <laughs> you put it that way, it sounds really good. Yeah, so I just automatically got promoted to uh, the program director of what became WRIF a year or so later. So then what was the format like on WXYZ FM? <laughs> When you first took over, before it was riff, I think we called it whatever. <laughs> Everything that didn't get played on AM uh-huh. and had to be at least five minutes long. Right. <laughs> and so we were right out there. And that was like freeform radio. Oh, baby. That was, was it ever. Now, WABX mm-hmm. was a rock station, and they were... But they were pretty much the same thing we were. They were? Yeah. Okay. But they just been at it longer, and they kind of opened the door. I see. Uh, but there were difference. We were owned by ABC. Mm-hmm. We had money. Right. <laughs> right. That's a big difference. So we waved bye-bye to them. <laughs> so um, a, a year after you became the program director of XYZ FM, you changed the format to, or you changed the call letters to WRIF. Oh, yeah. How did you ever get those call letters? Because they have got to be the best the best call letters in rock radio. In fact, I heard Howard Stern talking recently about there are no better call letters for a rock station than the Riff, WRIF. And he's right. He is right. And you know who thought they were dumb? Who? You did? I said, (laughs) WRIF? Are you serious? (laughs) Did you put together the Riff, the whole Riff thing? No. No, you weren't even thinking it. I don't deserve the credit for any of that. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how anybody can last this long in the business and be this stupid? Well, all you got to do is make some big right decisions and the rest can be a little bit dumb. You yeah, know? Well, when you think of one of those, let me know. Coming up. What was Arthur like to manage? Because the Arthur I know is a rebel and he just kind of like marches to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. Look in your glossary under, glossary under pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know that you said that uh, you just didn't like managing people, and that's one of the reasons you got out of programming. Was Arthur, were you pointing that at Arthur? <laughs> Not really, but, you know, he had other company. He had Jerry Lubin oh, and yeah. uh, Dan Carlisle. <laughs> when the Jay Giles Band played Pine Knob, Peter Wolf gave Arthur Penhollow his exclusive Detroit interview. When the Stones announced their Detroit dates, Riff's Lynn Woodison was there to give you the whole story. When the Tigers got hot, Eli had Kirk Gibson in the studio for Night Call. When Billy Squire came to town, Ken Calvert was the only Detroit personality to have him in the studio. When the Stones played their first tour date in Philadelphia, J.J. was on the scene at JFK Stadium phoning in live reports. The Morning Crew, Calvert, Penhollow, Costan, Savelli, Coffee, Woodison, Zarek. We get the information first and we get it right. WRIF. No one knows Detroit rock and roll better. 101. WRIF. Legendary personalities from Detroit's iconic WRIF. This album's called Naturally. It's by J.J. Kale. With special thanks to Carl Radel, Denny Cordell, Leon Russell, and 
Joel Heyman. With Mike Staff and our special guest, former program director Dick Kernan. Well, you did make a really good call. You found a legendary air talent. Cicero Grimes. Cicero Grimes. Come on. <laughs> Better known as Arthur Penhollow. Do you remember meeting him? How did that whole thing come together? I don't know how I tripped over him. I think maybe we were uh, publicizing it some way. But this guy walked, said, Hi, my name is Arthur Penhollow. And I thought, Oh, yeah, you're hired. <laughs> oh, because his voice was so oh, deep. Oh, yeah. baby. <laughs> That's all it took. You yeah, heard his voice. Hey, I'm a sucker. <laughs> well, you have to understand, back then, you didn't find people wanting to be on a what station? F what? Mm, incredible. Yeah, I mean, nobody, huh? And Arthur was uh, at another, he was in the Howell station. He was in Howell, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, HMI. you're good. You're yep. good. Uh, and... Uh, so he was, you know, delighted and was more than willing to go back to his real name. So. Mm-hmm. What was Arthur like to manage? Because the Arthur I know is a rebel and he just kind of like marches to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. Look in your glossary under, glossary under pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know that you said that uh, you just didn't like managing people. And that's one of the reasons you got out of programming. Was Arthur, were you pointing that at Arthur? <laughs> Not really, but, you know, he had other company. He had Jerry Lubin and uh, Dan Carlisle. (laughs) I have to tell you this story about, I ran into Dan Carlisle, who was in town a couple months ago. And I said, uh, you know, I remember when I hired you, you were working in Chicago at an ABC station and you had been working here. So I called the station because it was an ABC station. I said, uh, you know, I'd like to uh, make him an offer. And they're dead silence. And I said, hello? He said, well, Dick, I have to tell you something about Dan Carlisle. And I said, what's that? You know he's a communist. <laughs> well, I held the phone away from myself. Managed not to fall off my chair. And I said, I'll take a chance. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. So uh, Valentine's Day of 1971, Riff became the Riff as we know it. Did the format change or just the call letters? You were kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, just the call letters. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the rest of the landscape like in Detroit? You, had, you, see, you did have ABX. And well, put you had them ABX. Out, and then W4 was and W4. trying to do rock. Right. What was Riff doing different? What Riff was doing different was waving money. Mm. You see, WABX disappeared into the ether and uh, the same with w4 kind of disappeared into the ether and of course we were abc thank you very much right do we have a budget why of course we have a budget we're abc (laughs) well and some of the stuff though that abc did for riff at that time was really nobody was doing in detroit but i think that abc was probably putting that kind of money on other stations around the country but they were you know let me be clear they did that all over the country well, and I would guess that other companies may not have taken that frequency seriously because they were focusing on the AM. And when ABC comes in and puts some money on the FM, was it easier nah, to win? I'm or not no? sure. You know, I think they weren't the only st- uh, company that said, you know, we got the- because they were forced to use the frequency. That mm-hmm. was the thing. I got it. that there was no way out of it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about their Detroit radio market. Um, 
I I always think it's like the most competitive radio market in the country, and it might just be because it was the market that I was competing in. But is Detroit radio different <laughs> than other markets in no. terms of the compet? Not at all. Not at all. How about from a rock radio standpoint? Because it's always been fiercely competitive. Is it the same thing around the country? It's pretty fiercely competitive it in is. Phoenix and San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it is about the Detroit radio listeners that make them so loyal to the radio stations that they Well, choose? I think it's the radio stations. I mean, uh, listeners have no reason to be loyal to a radio station if they're not doing something they can't wait to hear. And so, uh, you know... Stations have figured that out a long time ago and given people a reason to go to FM. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some morning show radio. But first, can you explain to our listeners why the morning show is such an important day part for a radio station? Oh, because people get up in the morning. They want to hear the traffic reports. They want to hear the weather reports. They, there's a reason for them to get up. And radio stations historically have always made sure that the morning personalities were very, very strong personalities. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not any different here than it is in other markets. Sure. Uh, if, you know, if you're in San Diego and you're the morning guy on the rock station or whatever station's number one, you're going to have a lot of listeners. Yeah, for sure. Now, there there was several different people doing mornings on the riff in the 70s, but none of them quite really kicked in the way that J.J. and the Morning Crew did. I think they were the first real big uh, morning show on, on Riff. What do you think it is about J.J. and, and George? That I just think so that, awesome? you know, they had the same thing any great air talent has. It's magic. Mm. You know, you want to sit and explain to me in 25 words or less why Arthur mm. is a legend? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> is it because of his wit? <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, he. it's a magic thing that... It talent is. Has. Well, and there was so much spontaneity in Arthur's life when, you know, I asked, hey, when's the first time you played baby? You said baby. It just kind of came out of a Jay Giles song. Or when's the first time you yelled, it's the weekend? It just kind of happened, you know? Right. You can't plan that kind and of thing. And why did you go to Hawaii all the time? <laughs> right. Well, because I'm from there. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the things that stands out for me for, um, for JJ, and I guess probably any successful morning show, is the amount mm-hmm. of show prep that goes into it. I don't know if listeners realize that for every four oh, hours yeah. on the air, there's... Well, when you think of, yeah, when you think about the reason people are tuning in is for the weather and the traffic, but also what the hell happened last night? Sure. Did World War Three start or, mm-hmm. you know, what the hell is going on? Right. So well, the morning show is very important. Well, yeah, and they can get their weather and traffic from any station on the oh, dial. of course. But yeah. they want to hear it from somebody that they relate to and that's yep. kind of getting them up in a good mood. Yep, you, you got know? it. Yeah. So tell me about Dave and Chuck the Freak. I knew them when they were Canadians, okay? <clears throat> and I knew there was something going on there because everybody seemed to know who they were. And I'm saying, they're on this silly, you know, Windsor station here. Why does everyone know these guys? Right. And all of a sudden, they disappeared. And I called him and I said, uh, what's going on? Well, we're just kind of taking a break. Well, what the deal was, their contract with Canadian stations said, thou shalt not leave us mm. or <laughs> I mean, leave the market until you put in six months. Mm. So they had six months where they were just kind of <laughs> they had their no compete going. happy dance. Yeah. Yep. 
and they are just great people. Yeah, uh, well deserving of the yeah, success. Yeah, Dave is just a great, great guy, and uh, you know we were fairly friendly. And I'm trying to remember why, but my senility is kicking in. <laughs> uh, but I knew him, uh, you know, just phone call wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just an always very nice guy. No big ego thing. Yeah. Sure has worked for him. Coming up. Radio has changed so much since you were in the, in the mail room at WXYZ <laughs> in 1956. Um, how would you say that social media and Spotify and the YouTubes and all of these choices, mm-hmm. I suppose that has changed radio. Well, it's given a lot of people who worked in radio something else to do. Mm. Radio stations are still delivering, depending on who they are, what they are, and everything else. Um, and the people that used to work in radio now can work in these much smaller venues and still do very well. The history of WRIF. The podcast is brought to you by the Spex Howard School of Media Arts. We had a staff of about six or seven air people, one of whom was stranger than the next. You know, the stuff that was really outrageous in 1970, today just kind of you see it in a department store or wherever. Legendary personalities from Detroit's iconic WRIF. You have to remember that in 1970, this country was in the midst of an incredible cultural revolution the thing about the generation gap and, and the the difficulty in the two younger people communicating with older people, you know, was a very serious problem. All of my people uh, wore funny clothes. They all had very long hair. Uh, Barbara had a ring in her nose. Uh, they were bizarre people. With Mike Staff and our special guest, former program director Dick Kernan. You, um, I mean, you've got a relationship with so many radio broadcasters around the country, but you think? Be- I'm pretty sure. <laughs> can you um, can you rattle off some names uh, of some of the past Spex Howard students that have had pretty good success in Detroit or around the country that our listeners might know some of oh, their names? God. Well, there were a couple of them here in town. Uh, well, two people that sadly died within a month of each other were Joe Wade, former Cola, mm. and Linda Lee. Um, but there, there are people all over the country that are from here. A lot of people are in places you would never believe. Mm. Um, I discovered the Howell radio station, okay? Because I noticed that people never left. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, Howell? Am I crazy? <laughs> right. <laughs> And so I was up there, and the program director, oh, no, he and he became the owner, was just one of the best people I've ever known. And I said, you know, I'm going to call Gary Graff down at the Free Press and have him do an article on the station. He fell off his chair on his knees. He said, Dick, I'm begging you, don't. Uh. I said, what, you're a great radio station? He said, Dick, don't. And I said, what's your problem? He said, my problem is if you do that and he prints it, next week I'm going to have 10 Detroit radio stations up here calling on the advertisers Uh, in Howell. uh, And I mean, Howell, to this day, most of the people that work there are grads, mm, and they never leave. Yeah, they found a great job. Why would they? It's a great market. Yeah, Job security is not um, something that is – you know, 
one of the perks of being in radio. That is for sure. However, at the Riff, that hasn't necessarily been the case. When you think that I was at Riff for 14 years, Arthur P. for almost 40 years, Drew and Mike for essentially 22 years, Ann Carlini for almost 30 years, Scream and Scott for, and Meltdown <laughs> both have almost 25 years, Steve Black has 15. What do you, what do you suppose it is about Riff that? Well, I'm not sure Steve is a grad. Steve, are you a grad? No. Oh, but he does have the job security. I mean, I hate to pull a plug, but I know the woman you loved. Oh, of course. Anyway, uh, stations create their own accountability. So radio has changed so much since you were in the the mailroom at WXYZ (laughs) in 1956. Um, How would you say that social media and Spotify and the YouTubes and all of these choices, Mm -hmm. how do you suppose that has changed radio? Well, it's given a lot of people who worked in radio something else to do. Mm. I mean, the, the reality today is that there are just so many areas that people can listen to that, you know, you wonder why there's a radio station on the air. Mm-hmm. But radio stations are still delivering, depending on who they are, what they are, and everything else. Um, and the people that used to work in radio now can work in these much smaller venues and still do very well. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, though that they're not, you know, Dick Purton. Right. Uh, but they do... They do very well in these smaller venues. Well, and radio has always had this uncanny ability to reinvent itself. I mean, when TV first came out, people were like, well, radio's gone. Who <laughs> wants gone. to listen to radio if you can watch it on TV, right? <laughs> well, sound just like a lot of people I knew. <laughs> but you just adapt, and yeah. it is good because while the consolidation in the radio market has eliminated a lot of the jobs from terrestrial radio like you said it opened it up in all these other areas and that's exciting sure yeah and you can you know you don't need to be uh the number one radio station to make a decent living Mm -hmm. doing a much smaller uh what operation right what has stayed the same about radio that hasn't changed i think the thing that hasn't changed is how important the air talent is mm. you know I, I i heard the thing on art i listened to the whole thing and i said how did he pull this off <laughs> and he was working for me <laughs> right <laughs> and he was I, I don't know how i mean that's a magic thing that some people have and other people try for for half their mm-hmm. life and never pull it off that's true yeah, there is almost like this emotional response to it because yeah. when yep. Detroit listeners heard Arthur yell, it's the weekend, <laughs> like you knew it was time. It was party time, go time, right? <laughs> what a guy. I love that interview was just, was that you? <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well handled. It was great. I, I appreciate about, that. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm about 40 minutes into it and I'm saying, hello, this guy worked for you for a very long time and you haven't turned the radio off you're nuts <laughs> so what do you think the future of radio is i think it's going to be pretty much like it's been i think that the people that are strong personalities uh are always going to be there i think that the people that 
go into other parts of the business are going to find that they can make a really decent living with an audience that was a fra- that's a fraction the size mm-hmm. of what they were used to when they were you know the morning drive guy on a big station. Yeah, now that Riff is approaching um, soon in a couple of years, it's fiftieth uh, birthday. <laughs> what do you attribute almost 50 years you really had to bring this up didn't you? <laughs> it makes you feel a little old doesn't it uh, did you notice <laughs> but there are not very many radio stations anywhere that have had the same format the same call letters in the same market for 50 years yeah, there are some others but uh, yeah uh, riff is a, is certainly unique <laughs> you yeah, had to talk about the 50 years didn't you <laughs> Well, and you've got plus that in this business. It's it's so absolutely amazing, Dick. When you look back on your career, um, what is most gratifying for you? I think just for a bunch of reasons, um, I left Riff. And one well, the reason, no, I, it was one of the reasons. I hate managing, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. And I was managing. And I had to tell people when to be where. And, to be, and I thought, this really blows. It feels like babysitting. Yeah. And so I had started uh, a little weird part-time thing at some place called the Specs Howard School. Mm. I've been there 50 years. It's incredible. Because Specs Howard defines the term integrity. Mm. He is a great guy. He still comes in a couple times a week and he's, you know, he's doesn't get around real well. Mhm. He's just a great guy with the and and as I say, integrity is what he's all about. Does and he still come in dressed with a tie? And no, no, no. We kind of passed. The, we we both have. The, this is how much our lives have changed. We just moved into a new facility earlier this year, and we share an office. Uh-huh. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Do we really need two offices for these clowns? I don't think so. This. I'm in the same office. <laughs> you know, Nick, um, uh, Dick, I think the like one of the definitions of a life well-lived is what kind of contribution you have left behind, what kind of wake mm-hmm. is behind you. And just walking upstairs into the studio with you and seeing how when people see you, they recognize you instantly, they know you, they have such a affinity for you. You've helped so many people in a career that I've had 50 years to do it, 50 years to do it. But, um, I mean, that must be really, rewarding. Oh yeah. I cannot tell you how important that is as a contribution for getting up in the morning Mm -hmm. and seeing the number of people who are successful in the business that got their first jobs, present company Mm -hmm. included. Right. Uh, did you ever get a first job? My first job was at, um, you probably remember WBRB AM out in Mount Clemens. It was a little 500-watt <laughs> oh, AM yeah. radio station. Oh, I remember And it. I remember you once uh, gave the analogy, 500-watt AM. Go home, look at your hair dryer. It's got 1,200 watts. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wanted to keep your ego from getting carried away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it was a lot of what you set me up for i mean it was a format that you know it was yeah. barbara streisand type of music ac sure. and i didn't want to play that but i was so happy to be on the radio oh yeah and no, it's <laughs> a it's a magical career it really is and it just always makes my day to see people like you 
that have made a whole career out of it. Uh, well, and in sh- in show business, um, integrity is not really a word that's used very often. And you were mentioning how Specs has the utmost of integrity. And I think mm-hmm. that you taught that as well, because one of the things I remember you oh. teaching us was to just be cool and be nice to everyone. Don't burn bridges. Mm-hmm. You never know when you're going to come in contact with these people again. And you really always had the spirit of just be nice to people in a very competitive, yeah. very competitive industry. Sure. No, I uh, I have always felt that way. I have loved this business all my life. I could not have gone to work for anyone better than Specs Howard. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I look back upon people like you, I knew you when you were a kid. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it and amazing how fast it goes, even for me, but I'm sure when you look yeah. back, it's oh, like, Oh, wow. it's amazing to me to come walk in and see you and go, who's this guy? <laughs> Don't blink. It goes by fast. Well, it's a, it's one of my privileges to call you a friend. It's been a privilege to have this conversation with you, Dick. It would have been a privilege to be asked to do it. Well, it would be impossible to have a podcast called The History of WRIF without including you as part of that archive. Thanks, Dick. God bless you, brother. Thank you very much for having me. Next time. One of my favorite times, George will remember this like the back of his hand. The real Dick the Bruiser came to town, and we were going to shoot some TV commercials, so we took him to the Detroit Zoo. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think that was later in the deal. I remember Bruiser with several stories we can tell you about Bruiser coming into town. Yeah, we took him to the Detroit Zoo. And yeah, then, but all of us were there. The whole. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did that commercial. Crew. That's right. We did the. There's good rocking at Riff. That was that was the bit. Hey hey, there's good rocking at Riff. Like good rocking at midnight was was the tune. <laughs> right so. But he had us push him around in a wheelchair the entire way. We're walking around the zoo, and the bruiser insisted. <laughs> he just put him didn't in a feel wheelchair. Like I got my big lollipop here. JJ can push me around. Make sure I don't get lost. <laughs> now was the, the bruiser character was that in play before you got to Riff? That was still. Yeah. Like, was that a Steve Dahl thing? That, that it was, was. That was Steve Dahl's bodyguard. Yep. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, the original concept was Dick the Bruiser was Steve Dahl's bodyguard. Now, I was doing Dick the Bruiser for Steve off the air, and he's, what the hell's that? Well, again, being from Detroit, I knew because when I was six years old, I was watching Lord Layton on Channel 9 with you know, Dick the Bruiser and the, and the Sheik and all those guys. The History of WRIF. The Podcast is brought to you by the Spex Howard School of Media Arts.